0: Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. Today we're looking at um, 1 Timothy 4, and <clears throat> we're kind of in between series at the moment. Uh, Tyler was supposed to come and preach tonight. I was actually quite sick this morning, I was supposed to preach at Glenelg, so we did a swapsies, so he got me again, back to back this week. Tyler will come back in next week and uh, finish off. I know we said last week we finished off the, um, the series, the Why Those series. We'll just do one bonus one next week with Tyler. And then after that, we are into Isaiah, which is going to be a good chunk of the year. It is a huge book right in the middle of your Bible, uh, or near the middle of your Bible. <clears throat> as many chapters as the Bible has books, it is going to be an amazing few months in Isaiah. We called our first kid Isaiah, uh, largely after the prophet Isaiah, largely because of the, this book of Isaiah, uh, which he wrote, is just full of um, this foreshadowing of Jesus, looking forward to the Christ who is to come way before Jesus was born. Uh, here we have God promising Jesus would come and what that looked like. Um, you know, I don't want to start preaching Isaiah That's for a couple of weeks' time. It's going to be really good. I can't wait. It's It's going to be great. Today, we're in 1 Timothy 4, and today we're talking about uh, one really... In fact, this has come up a number of times over the last couple of weeks. Uh, It seems that many of my conversations actually come right back to this very passage. And so, uh, in preparing for today, my thinking was, well, you know what? Instead of bringing it up all the time, let's bring it up once with everybody. Let's all just delve into it together, and we'll see what God would have for us out of this... There are, <clears throat> I'm, I'm really happy to say, if I was thinking about it even just today, uh, I've met with, in the last couple of months, um, a lot of people who are going to plant churches, not out of City Light, but just in Adelaide. There is a really, I think, fantastic move of God in starting new missional communities uh, like this year, like City Light and the City Light Churches in the City Light Family of Churches. Uh, really amazingly... And and there's also some other uh, really fantastic, I think, movements uh, that have come about with great gospel unity at the centre where people from different churches, different denominations, different backgrounds, all those kinds of things are coming together for different purposes but really under the banner of Jesus. However, uh, there's also, because of this kind of cross-pollination of people and different voices speaking into it, there is also, although on the one hand, really, really great and man, so good that God is still in the business of planting churches in areas that, I mean, all of Adelaide is in actually really great and desperate need of good gospel churches and, and communities who are on mission. Um, <clears throat> but as much as we want to celebrate the diversity that we have, we do have a, a reality, a truth reality as shown to us and revealed to us in Scripture who Jesus is, who God is, that Jesus reveals, what Jesus came to do, what that means for us, what actually is the gospel. If we're going to say, if we're going to join in with other people or other churches, and we had a North Adelaide staff meeting before, and one of the things that was mentioned was, you know, what about all these other opportunities we have to gather with other people and to, and to be about this gospel ministry with others? And for me, my heart just leaves that and goes, this is great. This is not just like churches, but the church operating together for the sake of the gospel. And here's the caution with this, is that Paul actually cautions us, or actually cautions Timothy and and through Timothy us. This is what he says in uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you'll save both yourself and your hearers. Other translations will say, Keep a close watch on your life and your doctrine on what does your life look like and what do you believe? What do you believe and how do you live? And how do these two things actually go together? Why is that important? Why is that important? For some, what I hear is for some, actually doesn't really matter what you believe, it just matters what you do. Just love God and love people. That's all we're about. Just love God and love people, which sounds really great until you ask them, what do you mean by love? What do you mean by God? And they're like, well, that's that's over here in doctrine land. We want to live over here in just love and life land. And then there are other people who are, well, all that matters is what you believe, and that you have your beliefs in check, and that you can explain those beliefs. But if it doesn't have a any tangible impact or outworking in your life, like what does it actually mean for you to believe these things? And do you believe? These things. If you have good doctrine, do you actually believe these things if it doesn't translate into a life of love? And I hear people, many, even, even this week uh, at one of these kind of combined events, someone said to me, You know, it was just so great. It was amazing. All well, these people everywhere and all oh, worshipping Jesus. And I was like, Oh, yeah, what, what, was, what were they saying about Jesus? And one of the things that came up was uh, that we could or should, or that it's a good thing to pray that we would be confused for Jesus. And I was like, You know what? Pretty sure the Bible says the opposite of that. I had some meetings with people this week <clears throat> asking, So, at my old church, we would all get together on a Sunday and we have a time where, you know, we all just spoke in tongues all at the same time. Well, how come you don't do that? And for me to be able to go to like 1 Corinthians 14 and say, Because scripture explicitly says, Don't do that! And it's having these conversations like this over and over and over again, where we, perhaps in younger generations, uh, I'll try to include myself in that, although that's becoming less and less true daily. Um, we, we focus in on the life and doing stuff and wanting to go achieve some things. Uh, Tom said to me before, do you want to write up a quote, something like meaningful up on the wall back there? And so I thought, oh, I'll quote Tolstoy because that makes you look intelligent. Uh, I, I kind of, you know, I misquoted him in saying, everybody wants to change the world, but no one wants to change. It's not exactly what he said, but that's the meaning of it. Where we have a whole generation of people who are just keen to go gun ho, except for when it actually requires us to submit our doctrine, our beliefs, and our life to something or somebody or some higher authority. So this is the background to why we're in this passage today. Uh, And he doesn't just say this. It's not just this one verse here or two verses here um, or one verse. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. He doesn't. He doesn't just say keep a watch or close watch on your life and on your doctrine. He has a lot to say, and this is. This is how he starts this passage of scripture. Actually, let's pray first, and then we'll do, do the deep dive. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we are so thankful for your word. We are so thankful that we can uh, gather together like this, really at any moment, but specifically at this moment, and, and learn about you, develop and grow in our knowledge of you, a knowledge of your love, knowledge of your truth, knowledge of your character, uh, knowledge of who, who we are in you, what, what it means um, for you to have your character and be a just and a merciful and a loving and a holy God. And so would you help us to have humble hearts, spirits, uh, open minds to your scriptures today, to your Holy Spirit uh, speaking to us, moving amongst us, <clears throat> conforming us to the likeness of Jesus. Uh, we don't want to conform to the pattern of the world We want to be just like you, so help us today. In Jesus' holy name, amen. So This is how he starts this part, in verse 1 of chapter 4. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods, the God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with relevant silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For this end, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the saviour of all people, especially those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set, a, set the believers an example in speech For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So here we have Paul. He was the older guy. He was the mentor. He was the disciple -er, writing a letter to Timothy, who was a new church leader, young bloke, young buck. Um, His grandma was uh, a Christian, and uh, maybe other family were Christians as well. And uh, he'd been prayed for by the Council of Elders in Jerusalem, and he was off really planting churches. That's what this young guy was doing. And this is Paul's kind of father heart towards this young guy who was in and around church ministry and around what God was doing really in a time of great pioneering. And in reality, even though Adelaide is called or nicknamed the city of churches, we are way way post-church. We're generations post-church. We're not in a culture that... uh, Man, I mean, revering the church or God because of the work of the church, that's a distant memory to us. Like it's, it's come, like the pendulum swung, the other way towards antagonism towards the church. So in some regards, we are in a very similar situation, which is why we see so much church planting happening right now because the trend is not church planting. The trend is churches disbanding and their buildings becoming all kinds of different Retail office space, uh, custom homes, that kind of stuff. And so we are in a very similar kind of situation to here, a very similar kind of situation uh, where Timothy's being warned against these kind of false teachings that are coming in. Because people back in that day were not well grounded in doctrine because Jesus had only left them very recently. Now they didn't have the, the epistle of. First Timothy, to go to and read because it was just being written. And so we, we have a lot of uh, benefit of being like 2,000 years after the fact where we have the whole of scriptures in 200 translations in English, different translations in English, uh, let alone different languages that we may or may not speak. Um, but here we have, again, a letter written in a somewhat similar time to us. And what does he say? Keep a close watch on yourself. Keep a close watch on what you believe. Keep a close watch on your life. Keep a close watch on your doctrine, on what you teach people and what you believe. It's not just about some broad understanding of let's just go love God and love people. We actually need to know what does it even mean by these things. Paul starts off uh, expressly saying. And he says, the, the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith, devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. He's not pulling punches. He's not saying, well, here's, here's the truth about Jesus, and here are some things that aren't really true, but it doesn't really matter because it's all about love anyway. So, what he says he says, here we have the truth, and here we have demonic teaching. That's rough. That's, like a, that's a stark line, right? He's letting us know that there are people who don't want you to know the God of the Bible, the God of history, the God of heaven. People want you to go after the things that, um, maybe a fake version of him or a fake version of the gospel, which is no good news at all, So it's no, it's no power to fake gospel at all, other than to deceive people away from uh, the true gospel of Christ. He goes on to give some examples of this kind of teaching that they were having in that day, like people were coming and saying, "Well, yes, Jesus is very good, but you also need to abstain from these foods." Or, "Yes, Jesus is good, but you also need to abstain from marriage." Or, "Yes, you know, Jesus is good, but anything, basically, and anything in here." Or, "Yeah, this is this is like classically what Scripture is understood to have said about Jesus." But, but what I really think is this. Or, oh, "Do you really believe that?" Like they used to believe hundreds and a couple of thousands of years ago? like That's that's so archaic. It's 2018. This this is how we actually read scripture now. Scripture is not the word of God. Scripture is an ancient text. We have the real truth. This is what he's saying. He's concerned that Timothy isn't running after every fad, every novel teaching uh, coming out from any good-sounding preacher. And there are a lot of really good-sounding preachers. I was just talking with someone this afternoon about a series of preachers where a particular um, pastor got a bunch of different preachers from different backgrounds and contexts in every night for a couple of weeks and how some of them just had really, really great theology and really good things to say. Others were very good communicators preaching nonsense and foolishness and demonic teaching. but Because of their charisma and because of their um, you know, good way with words and because... They were put on a platform by somebody who had a reputation. Uh, People were listening and devouring this garbage. And we can do it too. This is why Timothy, who has been sent to go and plant churches, he has to be reminded of these things. We certainly need to be reminded of these things. We need to. Keep a watch of your life and doctrine. Uh, What does he say about this? He says, when you do this, verse 6, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you've followed have nothing to do with these irrelevant silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. He's saying what you believe matters. What you believe about God matters. What you believe about yourself matters. What you believe about the state of humanity matters. What you believe about our mission in the world matters. What you believe about scripture matters. What you believe really, really matters. Really, really matters. <clears throat> Again, you might, you might think, and this is the pushback that I get uh, when I say things like this, in any kind of forum, uh, but that sounds super legalistic. That sounds super fundamental. I'm like, we've got to put the fun back into fundamental. Uh, That sounds really like old school and et cetera, like adjective in there. Uh, For me, I'm like, this this is one of the things that scripture is on about over and over and over and over again. John 17, Jesus praying. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you. They may know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is what Jesus is saying. This is eternal life. You want to know what eternal life is? It's knowing God. Not some bizarrely, uh, I don't know, ethereal kind of vague notion of, of what love is. It's knowing God. And when we know God, we do know love. Galatians 4, However, at that time when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. Ephesians 1, 17, uh, that, the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him, about knowing God, about this truth, about it being important, what we believe about God. Second Corinthians, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. This could have been the verse for tonight as well, fantastic verse, that everything you hear, every, everything that comes at you, everything... I say to you, you, you must not take it for granted that that is the truth unless you're reading it in Scripture. And everything that you do here, especially good ideas, especially things that you hear which sound different to what you've heard before, you must go to Scripture. Because we need to look at our, i keep a close watch on our life and on what we believe. And when that thing is Errant is out there, is false or foolish. We take that captive to Jesus. And we go, no, I, I reject that fallacy and submit again to scripture. Ephesians 5, look carefully then how you walk. Look at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, it's not just, well, I'm just going to like float through life and just as long as I love people and don't like try to bog me down with doctrine, man. Don't try to, like, don't try to put me in a box and, and say that I believe these things and reject these things. I don't want to do that. I just want to love people. Uh, scripture actually doesn't let us do that. It doesn't let us do that. Don't be foolish, says, but understand. Uh, Philippians 1. The, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more, so it is love for sure. We're not disregarding love, we are focusing on love. We want love. We want love to be at the center, we want love to be like permeating and and we want to be immersed in love in our community. And as we go, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Not a vague worldly understanding of love, but a love that is actually love. How we know it's love? Because it comes from God and the knowledge of God. Not just what makes us feel good. Not just what is the spirit of the age. um, Not just what is the most easy thing at that time. Not just adopting everything that people uh, say is right so that we fit in. It's not about the path of least resistance. It's about the path of God. It's about the knowledge of Him. With knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. How will you approve of what is excellent if you don't know what is excellent? If you don't have knowledge, you don't have wisdom. If you don't have knowledge, if you don't have wisdom, you won't be able to acknowledge what is excellent and you won't have the love that comes from Jesus. That's what he's saying. So we need to be pressing into the knowledge of Christ and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. So here again... We're, we're not trying to minimise love. We're not trying to like you know, mitigate love. It is about love. But how do we know what love is? It's only by the knowledge of God. It's only by, by uh, having good doctrine that we can acknowledge what love is or is not. That's what Scripture tells us. This is actually a, a lived reality as well. It's not about a vague idea of God and his love for us. We can't know that if we don't know him. If we don't have a grounded and secure Knowledge based in scripture about who he is, his character, his nature, what he's done, who we are, what his love for us means for us. How are we going to know these things? How are we going to communicate these things? How are we going to live these things? If we keep a watch on our life, how are we going to measure if our life is doing anything at all? How are we going to measure our life if we don't have sound doctrine? For some, just the very word doctrine sounds really boring. All it means is uh, the things that you believe to be true. This is what we're talking about here. We can't go on in ignorance, can't go on just assuming or presuming uh, things about God when He has actually revealed Himself. We can't just go, well, it doesn't matter because He's told us it matters. How will you know what is excellent? You know by knowing God. How be pure and blameless for the day of Christ? By discerning His will. It's in this passage. How we be full of the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God? By watching your doctrine. Here's what he's saying. By being in the word. By being in a community that values the word and the knowledge of God. Not just knowing facts about God, not knowing about God, but knowing him. Knowing him. How are you going to know what bad teaching is? How are you going to know what demonic, foolish teaching is if you don't know the truth? Good things that sound good or sound pleasing to you or path of least resistance or confirm things you already erroneously hold as truth. You just receive those things instead of rightly rejecting them if you don't have good doctrine. So what's Paul's solution? What's his solution to this? It says this, uh, verse 6 again, being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine that you have followed have nothing to do with irrelevant, silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness. For bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, for to this end we toil and strive because we have set our hope on the living God who is the saviour of all people, especially those who believe. Now I put the emphasis on this word train often because this is his solution, his training. He creates a spiritual training uh, as a kind of way that we would, might also approach our physical training. Um, I don't know if you've ever done this. <clears throat> I've, I've done this before, where I was, n- I was not at all fit, uh, like visibly, clearly unfit, and then uh, I, I, myself and my wife basically concurrently were given uh, just not awesome medical diagnoses, different ones, very different ones, uh, and basically the doctor said, well, it's because you're not fit. Basically, and and for me it wasn't so bad because it probably wouldn't have, have affected me significantly for a while. But the doctor basically said, well, her unfitness is your fault because your metabolism is good, whereas hers is not because of her medical condition. So if you don't like step up, because this doctor rebuking me uh, in in the in the like office, I'm like okay, I get it, I get it. Saying you know you you got to like lead your wife in this basically and join her in this. And so um yeah, went from not no training to like. Working out, I would say, uh, you know, exercising, working out to then actually like full on training. And I'll tell you, there is a great difference between those two things or three things. Exercising can be anything. Exercising is like walking your dog. Exercising is, uh, having to hit a hit of squash or tennis or, um, playing some just basketball at a ring at a park or something like that. Um, that's, that's exercise. Working out. Working out is maybe a little bit more deliberate, like you ha- you're doing a five-kilometer run, or uh, you are working towards something, or um, you have, you've set aside a particular um, you know, portion of time and energy for the express purpose of getting fitter or achieving some sort of goal. But then there's training, which is different. So I've done all, all three of these things. Uh, less so recently, I will admit, uh last couple of years. I won't blame the third kid, but it was around the same time uh, that that happened, that the discipline kind of just waned. Um, <clears throat> I did go to the gym once this year already, so <clears throat> got really sick afterwards. Just getting over that now, so here we are. Uh, but, but training is different. So uh, when I, I received this diagnosis, basically I had sleep apnea, obstructive sleep apnea, where I just wake up in the middle of the night uh, not not um, consciously, just my, my brain, my mind will wake up uh, to prevent myself from suffocating in my sleep. And so basically uh, the, the less fit and certainly the more like, body weight that I would have, the more chance I would have of like, having a stroke or just dying. Uh, was basically the kind of trajectory, and so uh, the doctor said, "Just don't do that. Do the opposite of that." And so I went to a gym, had some friends who were training, uh, some professional bodybuilders, so you know the guys that get up in spandex and pose and that kind of stuff. Uh, others who were fairly elite athletes, and so I started training with these guys. And when they say training, they actually they are dedicated. Uh, one of my one of my mates, one of my training partners, uh, would map out his meals so that in the whole week he could tell you exactly what time on Thursday he's going to eat his third meal of the day, and exactly what it was going to be, and exactly how many carbohydrates, like the macro makeup, the carbohydrates, the protein the fat was going to be. And so because I was training with these guys, that is like to the level of training that I was getting at, which is very vastly different from, hey, let's go have a hit of tennis this afternoon because we've got nothing to do, which still might be exercise but it's not training. Training requires having a goal, like something that you're working towards. So those dudes wanted to like, look buff in spandex, I, that, no judgment from me. Um, <clears throat> other people have worthwhile goals. That's, that's great as well. Um, but uh, no offence if that is you. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, but nevertheless, that is the thing that they're working towards, making sacrifices for, dedicating their lives to, to train for a particular purpose or goal. This is what Paul's equating this, this spiritual exercise to. He says, man, being fit it does have, like physical training, does have some good advantages. But man, how much more so this training in in righteousness, in doctrine, in uh, knowing in the knowledge and growing in the knowledge and the love of God. But I put it to you, we don't approach it like that. We we are as people who do know God. I put it to you, we are put to shame in our training by people chasing worthless goals like that. Put to shame. We don't train. We're lucky if we work out. Oh, man, I think we're lucky if we exercise, really, like spiritual exercise. Unless it's just coming together like this. Uh, or maybe you know DG if you make it that week, that kind of stuff. Then there's others who, again, are pursuing, they're not pursuing knowledge of the creator of the universe. They're pursuing uh, the, the love of a father who sent his son to uh, die on our behalf, absorb his holy and just wrath, uh, impute to us his righteousness, uh, so that we would have eternity, uh, an eternal reward as if we'd done everything right. Um, It's just a different like playing field, a different, different. Not even a game. It's just a different everything. And yet, uh, people pursuing worthless things that will fade. Memories will fade, or trophies will rust, or um, prize money will be spent. Where, Where is our training? This is what Paul tells Timothy. This is the way we're going to know how to judge our lives, how to how to critique our lives. This is how we're going to know how to reject false understandings of who God is. This is how we're going to be able to teach people right understandings and disciple people in the knowledge and the love of God, like the actual God, not a God that we just like and make up. Take the bits of Scripture that we like, reject the ones we don't like, but actually the knowledge and love of the God of history, the God of the Bible, the God who sits on the throne of heaven. We need to approach our spiritual disciplines as if we were training for them. And then he says, toil and strive. Like, go for it. Sacrifice for it. to so set the believers an example. Speech, and conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Saying, don't just, don't just have the knowledge. Do have the knowledge. But then let's see that knowledge in action in your life. Let's see that lived out in your life as an example for others, that you would so train in the knowledge and love of God that you will be so like, spiritually fit, um, able to like, stand up on a stage in your spiritual spandex, if you like, so that you would be an example to others in the same way, speech, conduct, love, faith, purity, that are outlived, outworked, embodied in the life of the person who's training spiritually. How we're we going like this. How are we going? Just put, put your life on display. Let others see this. Example it to others. Put it on display. Let them see. How will they see the gospel at like working in your life as the Spirit works on your life if you don't have your life on show? This is what it, this is what really Paul is saying to Timothy. When you suffer, you show the gospel, you show how the gospel shapes. Your suffering. When you celebrate, show the gospel shapes where you place your hope. When you struggle, show that you don't lean on your own strength, but on the strength of Christ in you. When you excel in something, show you don't, that your delight is in the Lord, uh, which is far greater and of far greater significance to you than any earthly accolade. This is why Paul can boast in his weakness. This is why Paul uh, can, can put the gospel like radically on display in his life. This, this is how he can do this, because he knows God. He has a right perspective and understanding of God. He knows the truth. And in knowing the truth, he puts that truth on display in his life as a witness to all. So, says, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that they all may see your progress. So that everybody may see your progress. So you're living it as an example to all, but not just showing your life when you have overcome that challenge. Not just showing your life when you've overcome the struggle. This is the thing that man, we fall into the trap of, as Christians, All the time. When we go through difficulties, we don't want to share those difficulties. We know at some stage, even just in our own strength, we're probably going to overcome them. Financial difficulty, relationship difficulty, um, health difficulty, any kind of difficulty. circumstantial difficulty, we get to the end of it and then we go, oh, look how God has safely taken me through this when you're no longer in the difficulty. What does Paul say to Timothy? Put your life on display so I almost see your progress. So again, back to the training like physical training example, what he's saying is show everybody your progress pics. Let's see not just the before and the after. Let's see the the weekly weigh-in. Let's see the update as you go. And as you live your life on display, people will see your doctrine. They will see what you believe because you can't hide what you believe. You will live in light of what you believe. You will activate what you believe. You'll embody what you believe. Like you all believe that those chairs are going to support you and so you will sit on them. If you didn't believe that, you would not be sitting on them. Uh, and therefore, one example of how your beliefs determine your activity or your life, which is why Paul says, don't just look at your life. Look at your beliefs. Look at what you believe. Look at your doctrine. What do you believe about God? It's important. So that all may see your progress means we're not supposed to be gurus. We're not supposed to know it all. We're not, this is so freeing for you. You don't have to have all the answers. The most common objection I ever hear to people who don't want to share their faith is, what if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? And my most common answer is, tell them you don't know. Put your life on display so that they may see your progress. That's what he's saying. You You are not the hope of the world you are not the saviour of the world. You don't have to have it all together. In fact, you won't have it all together. If you try to have it all together, if you try to project an image of yourself having it all together, that is a crushing image to try to maintain. But when you just let your life be seen, and as you grow in the knowledge and the love of God, you also grow in the embodying and the outworking of that same knowledge and love, people will see your progress. They'll see the gospel at work in your life. It's it's so freeing, folks. It's so freeing. You don't have to pretend. Show your progress pics. Don't suck in your stomach. That's what Paul's saying. That is not literally in scripture, but that's pretty much what he's saying. That's the modern equivalent. It's the snap. No, it's the Instagram story that I just learned about tonight. How you show your progress. Uh, anyway, here we are. <clears throat> Keep a close watch on your life and doctrine. Keep a close watch on your life. He says, persist in this. Keep going. Keep going. It's tough. Same as physical training, it's tough. Like actual training. Exercise, exercise you, just, you finish when you're done, right? Exercise, okay, I'm done, I'll walk back. Training, that's not how it works. If you see uh, any video of like, elite athletes when they're training, I've, I've seen it in person, there's no stopping when you're finished. That's when you, your workout just begins, is when you have at the end of yourself. It's a progressive overload that stimulates muscle growth. This is what he's saying. And then put that on display. Put that on display. We need to adopt the mindset of trainers or trainees, trainees, people in training. Physical training, that's good, he says. Spiritual training is great because it's for now, for your life, and it's for the life to come. And then at the end he says, "Why? Why? Why did you do this? Why is this important?" I mean, it's important for all the things we've already talked about. And then he says, "Also, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers." He's saying, "You, you will know that you have the truth when that truth has been tested." You know, the thing that I find so foolish about some of the novel teaching I hear about Jesus, some of the name it and claim it, or you, we're just we're, we're overcomers or people who. <laughs> one that I've been hearing more and more of recently is about, you know, you are, we're all sinless now. Like not just, you know, Jesus' sinlessness imputed to us, but now you can be completely free from sin. It's foolishness because when you do inevitably sin because we are still sinners, uh, you're crushed because you have no hope for your salvation, no security in Jesus because your identity is in a sinlessness, it is in sinlessness, but yet you still sin. If you're the name and claim it or uh, healing is always available to every Christian every single time, then when you do get sick or your family member dies, you're forced to either say that they weren't truly a Christian or they didn't have enough faith. What, a, what ridiculous a tripe that is. It's not in Scripture. We should pray for healing, uh, and we should expect that God will do that. We don't wrap up our identity in that because it doesn't promise us. Perfect healing until we go to be with him. If we don't believe rightly about God, if our doctrine is not correct, it just leads to either like some crushing despair or cognitive dissonance where we have no fruitfulness at all. Because we can't back up what we believe with our lives. This is why Paul says, What's your life and your doctrine? By doing so, you will save yourself. You'll be confident in yourself. Obviously, you don't save yourself. Jesus saves you, but you're confident in your saving and and you're bold in your proclamation to others because you're secure in who God is and who you are in Him. You're secure in the knowledge of God, not not some vague understanding of love, but the real kind of love. And so how, how do you... How do you go when you consider your own life and doctrine? Are you a spiritual trainer? Like, do, are, are you in that mode? Are you intentionally like that dude mapping out his meals and you know, making sure he gets enough rest and making sure he doesn't uh, like party uh, too late into the evenings and uh, making sure he's eating the right things and drinking the right things and having enough water and having the right supplements and... Uh, like training at the appropriate amount of time, but not too much training and not too little training, all those kinds of things. If we have anything like that uh, in our own lives when it comes to uh, uh, us approaching our spiritual disciplines, and this is, I'm not pleased, don't hear me heaping on any kind of guilt. That's not the goal. The goal is not to heap on guilt. The goal is heap on guilt. The goal is to point us to what Scripture has to say and how we can live our lives. How do, when we put the microscope on ourselves, how do, how do we go? What changes do we need to make in our lives? Do we feel this kind of insecurity when we're sharing our faith or just living our lives? Do we have this uh, somewhat like, shaky confidence that we are saved, but that God still really maybe doesn't like us so much? He has to love us because of Jesus, but doesn't really love, love, love us or like us? All, all of these things... Uh, You know, deviating to the left or to the right away from sound doctrine. Show us we need to approach our spiritual discipline like an athlete. We would train, we would persevere, we would toil and strive. And we're not toiling and striving for our salvation. You have that. That's a free gift. We would have sung about it. We prayed about it. It's a free gift. Can't earn it. And now we have it. Uh, Let's revel in it. Let's like deep dive into it. Let's let's grow in the knowledge not just about God but the knowledge of God. And let's do that together and spur one another on to these same things. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for your word. And that you've oh man, you are continually acting towards us in love, continually acting towards us in in grace. Showing us your kindness, showing us your goodness, showing us your love. We're so thankful for you. We, we love you. We really love you. And we're so thankful, again, that you have shown us yourself. You've made yourself known to us in your scriptures. You've made yourself known to us in your son, Jesus. You have made yourself known to us by the Holy Spirit that is indwelling us now. We thank you for all these things. You're so good to us. We don't want to be foolish. We don't want to be naive. We don't want to be misled. We don't want to chase after novel or foolish teachings or demonic teachings. We don't want to do anything outside of uh, your your will for us. And we know from Scripture, we saw it even tonight, your will for us is to know you and live in light of our knowledge of you. And so for all of us uh, tonight, um, help us to approach you, approach your scriptures, approach prayer, approach discipleship and mission and worship like a, an athlete. Not just casually exercising, but intentionally training, uh, running the race to achieve that prize set before us. And we do this in full acknowledgement that you've already, um, you've already done everything for our salvation. You've given us everything we need for um, holiness and right living. And so, Father, help us to step into those things. Help us, be pers- help us to persevere uh, when, we, uh, when we do get weary and, and tired and when other things seem really attractive to us. Help us to be resilient against the attacks of the evil one and anybody that would want to distract us away from you or uh, have us believe erroneous things about you. Help us to encourage one another, to teach one another, to be taught by one another, to rebuke one another, uh, to bear up under one another. Help us to live out and embody the gospel, uh, that that true gospel. In every way that we do not have good and sound doctrine, truth, uh, would you help us to, to gain right understanding of you of his scriptures we want to to jettison everything that would jeopardize our full attentiveness on your majesty and on your beauty so help us to descend in jesus holy name amen thank you for listening to audio from city light church we hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others For more great content, more information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.